0: We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening. Amen. You guys could take a seat. I am so excited to jump into a new message this week. Um, just know that grace bombs should still be happening. So you can hit the reload station on your way out the door and get your grace bomb cards and make it rain grace bombs wherever you go. So just as a reminder, still grace bombing. But today we're going to talk about being devoted. We're going to talk about devotion. And I wanted to first honor God God is so good, and he's so amazing, and he's given us so much. I have been hearing awesome reports from many of our people, how God has moved in situations in their life, and so I'm going to be sharing with you more about what you can look for this morning when things don't quite go right. I also want to honor our partners. We have um, some amazing partners that make Sunday mornings happen, especially our kids' ministry people. Jeez Louise. They just keep showing up. Friday night, we had another energy night for Hope Youth, and that was super fun. We had some new kids come, and that was awesome, and we got to play Bananagrams, okay, and Foursquare, and it was hot, okay. Can I just say, she was smoking outside, okay. It was hot, but we had fun anyway. It was amazing. It was amazing. So, If you don't know, and for those who tune into podcasts, my name is Pastor Emma Lee, pastor here at Hope Church. Um, And we're going to be jumping into a cool story. For those of you who don't know, when I say the name Corey Ten Boom, Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch woman who, along with her family, hid Jews during World War II in her home. Unfortunately, she was caught and for 11 months spent uh, her time in captivity. Uh, by the Nazis during that period. So Corrie Ten Boom was uh, in a situation where she had spent four months in solitary confinement and then was moved to Ravensbrück, which is a notorious concentration camp. Somehow, this far, Tori had been able to keep her Bible secret. Because in case you didn't know, the Nazis did not want you to have a Bible. So she would kept it secret, but as they were unloaded off of the train at Ravensbrook, they stood in line, and she knew that she was in trouble because in front of her she could see the soldiers patting down every single prisoner and taking anything that they had. And she did not know what to do next. In my life, I've had a moment where I stood holding a pregnancy test, knowing that my body was not responding the way it should, and feeling like this is happening again. I'm going to miscarry again. And in that moment, I said, I don't know what to do next. So in our lives, we're going to face things where we are in situations where we literally say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do now. Have you ever been in that place? Every time, right? Whether you're facing an old temptation that's rearing its head again and you're struggling with the choices before you and your mind is crying out to you, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Your brain is broken from that temptation and you're like, ah, I don't know what to do. Or maybe you've been faced with financial difficulties, and you're like, man, I don't know what to do. And the pressure of the obligations and the need that you are facing has you wondering, what am I supposed to do in this situation? I don't know what to do next. Or maybe you're at a work situation, and you had that coworker that took your stuff and sold it as their own, and you're looking at them in the meeting going, I don't know what to do right now, (laughs) right? And you're like, what do I do with this? This morning, I believe that God wants to equip us with the power to face our next I-don't-know-what-to-do moment. I believe that God wants to give us the determination to allow the pain to have a purpose and our test to become our testimony. I believe that we can do this. In that 1974 interview, Corey Ten Boom stated, everything we need in times of tribulation is in the promises of the Bible. The Lord will give us strength. I think that's pretty powerful coming from somebody who spent 11 months in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. So we're going to look into the book of James over the next two weeks, but I want to give us um, a little context. So James is the stepbrother of Jesus, okay? If that's a, a bomb to you. Jesus had siblings after Mary gave birth to Jesus. Her and Joseph were finally able to be a married couple, and married couples produce children often. And so um, other siblings came after, and James was one of those siblings. And can I tell you, he didn't believe his brother was the Messiah at first. He was like, hmm, I don't know about this, bro. If you've ever had a sibling, I'm sure that you would be like, you're definitely not the Messiah because of a sibling rivalry a little bit. However, James encountered Jesus resurrected from the dead and was like, okay, because I saw you die. I saw you hanging on the cross. I was way back with mama um, and she was crying and stuff, but I saw you and, and you're here. Okay, you are who you said you are. You are the Messiah, the son of God. And mom wasn't lying about that whole virgin birth thing. He caught up real quick to the plan. Now, James is a prominent figure in the early church. You might remember him in the book of Acts. He's part of the Jerusalem council, and he's part of the council that argued really strongly for Gentiles to be able to step into the Christian faith without having to be circumcised. Gentlemen, can I get an amen? Okay? So, thank you, God, that that is no longer a requirement to be a Christian in the faith, and you can thank James, the just, as we like to call him, for that. So James was a wise man, and he was influenced by the Jewish scripture. So he had some history in the Jewish church. He was raised in the Jewish faith, and so he has um, an influence with the Jewish scripture. And you kind of see this undercurrent in the book of James. But what you also need to know is that the book of James was written to the early church who was undergoing inordinate persecution, They were being uh, excommunicated by the Jewish priests. They were being arrested. They were being separated. They were being toted off to jail. And in some very extreme cases, they were being killed. It was not easy. They weren't allowed to purchase things. Um, They weren't allowed to participate. And they were separated. And so it's in this, I mean, in fact, this persecution would actually end in James' martyrdom in Jerusalem by the priests later on in his life. So when you think about that kind of pressure, now we can step into the book of James and really understand what James is writing the church. Okay, so we have this framework. And this is what it says in James 1-2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Okay, James, I, I, I have never really been faced with something and been like, oh, all right, this stinks, woo right? I don't know about you, but I'm like, James, what the heck? So I wanted to do a little digging, and I wanted to find out more about this kind of joy. So this is what I want you to know, that this kind of joy, biblical joy, is more than a good mood. And we see in the Bible that from Genesis, that the world that God created was very good, good and very good, right? So he's created flocks and fields and they were good and animals and creatures and they were good. So God is good. The world is good. Weddings are good and they give us joy. Children are good and give us joy, right? We rejoice. (laughs) We rejoice when our children are present. So biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. We have all this other joy, but I want you to see that it's an attitude adopted by God's people, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So recall the Israelites wandering through the wilderness, but yet their freedom gave them joy. Joy in the midst of wilderness experiences. Joy, and they worshiped God. They got out of Egypt and they were like, woo! They complained a little along the way, but they had joy, and Miriam worshiped God. She praised God, wrote some worship music, and was like, let's go, Israel, I'm going to lead you in the song. And they were like, oh, Jesus. Well, God. Oh, God, let us out, right? Um, that's not in the Bible. That's my interpretation of that song, okay? <laughs> But speaking of Moses, then we see the prophets throughout the Old Testament, and they are telling us that we're waiting for a new Moses. Better than Moses, we're waiting for the Messiah. And then we see in the New Testament, we see that Jesus comes, and he's announced with tidings of great joy, right? That's a song too. Right? So, tidy's a great job. But Paul identified this joy when he wrote about joy in the faith in Philippians one twenty-five and joy in the Lord in uh, Philippians 3, one. So, this joy was the gift of God's Spirit. And it was a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the middle of hardship. So, the good news is that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, making joy a reasonable uh, thing, even when the circumstances, like Corey ten Boom's and like mine, present themselves. So does that mean that we don't acknowledge our pain? No, no. Rather, it means that we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We, we don't just are sad and sit in it, And as Paul put it, writing from prison, okay, Paul said, but being full of sorrow, meaning he felt all the feels, he felt his emotions, then it says, yet rejoicing, yet rejoicing. So listen, you have to find purpose in the pain. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles, but I bring you my peace, right? So there is a purpose in the pain, and tests and trials are going to be part of everyone's life and even the Christian life. Don't accept and say yes to Jesus, and then the next second, y'all, things are just rainbow sunshine, and unicorns. Don't, regardless of what my four-year-old daughter tells you, (laughs) there are no unicorns, okay? Um, Sometimes, though, and I think everybody can attest to this, we just want to avoid the pain altogether right? We just want to avoid it rather than growing in steadfastness during times of trial, whether growing in our abilities. Common sense tells us to cut, bait, and run. Like, oh my gosh, I'm out of this. I want out. I'm done. I want to run, right? And sometimes this voice is useful. Sometimes that voice that says, let's cut, bait, and run, you should probably run. There are some situations in your life, like hot fire, leave, right? (laughs) Predator, get away, right? This is useful But sometimes this instinct will get in your way. So when life is difficult and we experience the temptation to leave, to change something, to get a new spouse, to to, uh, find a new church, to find something to numb the pain and feed our appetites, we want to check out. We want an escape. God, give us an escape, right? So let's be honest first. First. We all want to cut, bait, and run when it's time and trials and hardship come. So we need to recognize that in those times of hardship, we need more than our gut reactions. We need more than our emotional responses when stuff gets hard. We need something deeper, and we need a reason to stay in the fight. And this is where James comes in and offers us this next truth. He says, For you know... That when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I'm still not enjoying this, okay? Endurance, a chance to grow, right? But the reason for joy is because we are given the opportunity to have our faith tested and tried. And this pressure reveals what you have internalized. Okay, okay. During the pandemic, when we were all locked down, guess what happened? We all had to live our truths. Whatever you had been operating in, whatever you had been feeding your soul and feeding yourself, the pressure of being locked in your house with all of your people (laughs) squished. And what came out and what is continuing to come out of people's lives is the result of what was internalized. But when we are tested, listen, a test does what? When you have a test, whether it's for licensing or in school, a test reveals what you have learned. A test reveals all the information that you can retrieve about that topic. And when you are tested and you do well, you get what? Confidence. Satisfaction. And you know what you know. And you're like, cool. When you get tested and you get your license in something, whether it's nursing or counseling or whatever, when you have that license and they pass you, what do you have? Now you have confidence to go do the job. You have confidence in our faith. When we're tested, we get to grow in our confidence in who God said he is and in our faith in him. So when we're tested, we will grow our endurance. And endurance is so much more than just the ability to endure another hardship. It's godly perseverance. It's godly perseverance. It means that you can stay in the fight when you can't seem to agree with your spouse. It means that you can keep making uh, your faith central even when people are making fun of your faith. It means that when your boss boss is pressuring you to do something unethical, you can stand and say, no, I can't do that, right? Right? So, James 1, 4 adds this to it. So, let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Needing nothing. But here's the two words I want to zero in on. Let it. You choose to let your circumstances and the pressure either destroy you or develop you. You have to stand in that truth and know that you have the choice to let it. So you can let your trials crush you or you can allow them to grow you. Now, it says perfect and complete, and that freaks me out. Because I know, me, and I am definitely not perfect. But this is what it means. It means to be mature. We're talking about maturity. So ask anybody older than you how they got to the age that they're at, and they're going to tell you that they endured some earlier hardships. Whether it was uh, like my dad who overcame cancer, whether it was um, a history of addiction that they overcame, or maybe it was recovering from a setback in their lives, they will tell you that they reached the age that they're at because they endured and they overcame. Not only did they just go from surviving, they went to thriving. They went to thriving. And Paul wrote in Romans 5, 4, he wrote this, that endurance leads to strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope in salvation. Listen, God wants to mature your faith and to cultivate in you a fully developed character that shines in the darkest night. That will not happen if you leave the fight early. If you bail, you'll fail. Okay? That's a quotable quote. He will not force his will on you. You ultimately decide what you do with your trials. And you can either allow them to strengthen your character or harden your heart. You can either blame God or you can accept what's happening and ask what's next. We'll get to that in a minute. But what I want you to hear me say is, in other words, you can either choose to get better or you can choose to be better. So you choose. You choose. So this morning, I want to give you four practical steps that you can take and totally use right now uh, for the next time you face one of those I don't know what to do moments. Okay, you ready? Number one, choose joy. Choose joy. And the first thing you need to do is remember the outcome. So yes, this thinks Yes, this is hard. Yes, this trial is awful. Yes, this is rough. But you choose. Remembering the outcome is important. And the outcome is twofold. Remember, you will have a fully developed faith, and that is confidence in Christ, confidence in who He is. He said what He said, He's going to do what He said. Let's trust that that's going to happen. Sometimes that means we have to go back and revisit all the ways God showed up before in our lives. Even when we are in this deep, in the mud. And it feels like we're getting ready to go under. You got to hold on to what he's done before in your life. The second outcome is that you will have a fully developed character. Character is a lost thing, unfortunately. But Christ wants his people to have a fully developed character, lacking nothing. Nothing. And a fully developed character is one that endures hardships. It's one that is stronger. It's one that has something that is also lost in our culture, which is grit. The ability to stay in the middle of a fight. Stick to itiveness. I like it. Right. So choosing joy means remembering the outcome, but it also means staying in the process. Staying in the process. Do not despair. Do not quit. Corey Ten Boom only knew in that moment, standing in that line and watching them pat down each prisoner, uh, that she only could pray. She had no other tools in her tool belt, well, okay? All she could do was pray. So she prayed this. She said, Oh God, please send angels to cover me. And then, remembering that angels are often unseen, she prayed, And please, Lord, make them opaque. <laughs> Make them opaque so that I cannot be seen. Can I tell you that God was faithful and she watched as they searched the woman in front of her and then moved her through the line and they searched the person behind her. But they never searched Corey. Can I tell you that God stood there, his angels covered her, and God provided a miracle. And for the next uh, 11 months, With Corey and Betsy, her sister, they endured trial after trial, after hardship, after embarrassment. And when God sent lice to their bunkhouse, instead of getting bitter, Corey thanked God because none of the guards would come in their bunkhouse because they didn't want to get lice. So Corey was able to conduct Bible study and lead many, many Jews to Jesus. She was able to do miracles in that place through God's power because of little lice. So how do we uh, continue to know what what we're facing is going to be resolved? How can we move into the next thing? What opportunities are we being faced with? So don't cut bait and run, stay in the fight, choose joy, remembering the outcome, remembering that he who promised is faithful. And then the next thing, the second thing I want to ask you to do, so the first thing was choose joy. The second thing you need to do is ask God, ask God. James 1.5 goes on to give us this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you, he will not rebuke you for asking. He's not going to say, oh, you're so stupid. He's not going to say, oh, well, I'm not going to help you. He's going to say, baby, I got you. Okay, I'm going to show up for you. I'm going to give you wisdom. So listen, you're going to ask God, but this is what I want you to do. Look for the invitation of God in your current hardship. What is God asking you? My spiritual director has taught me this phrase because I'll come to her and I'll just be like, what? All the stuff is happening to me. I'm just going to vomit it all over you and I'm just so frustrated and I don't know what to do. And she'll go, "Let's just sit with this for a moment." She's like the calmest person on the planet. And she says, "Where do you sense the invitation of God in this?" And I always a little bit want to like lash out irrationally at that moment. <laughs> so I center myself and I go, "Okay, what is the invitation of God?" And then I ask God, what are you trying to teach me here? What is it you need me to know now? What is it that you need to reveal in me in this moment, right? So what is this trial going to produce? Ask God, what is this going to do? What what is your response? How would you have me behave in this moment? What would you like me to do, God? Could you give me your wisdom because I don't know what to do Greg Laurie said this, and I think it's so good. It says, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. If you can't endure a trial and you can't stand somebody questioning your faith, then you probably need to dig in a little deeper. Because a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. Is it going to hold up under the pressure of life? It also produces in us Endurance and character. So we ask, God, what part of my character are you trying to refine right now? Like, what part of me needs this process? Ask. So here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is not intellectual knowledge or philosophical speculation. Rather, wisdom is the spiritual understanding of purpose. It's your spiritual understanding of purpose so the final thing you have to do, and this is a nuance in that text that isn't easily readily seen. The Greek verb for ask in that is, um, is one that means it's ongoing. It literally means ask and keep on asking. It means it's a continual asking. It doesn't mean I'm going to pray to God one time for five minutes and ask, and that if he doesn't show up, I'm just going to quit. No, it means you ask and keep on asking. God, I need you in this today. I don't know what to do with this person today. I don't know what to do with my child today, (laughs) okay? Like, I don't know what to do in these moments. You ask and keep on asking, and then you ask again and again and again, you get like the annoying lady that Jesus talked about who kept going to the king and saying, please come help me in my struggle. In my but the king was not like God honoring, but because she kept annoying him, he finally relented. Annoy God. He doesn't mind. He can handle it. All right, number three, ready? Listen, actively pursue the voice of God. This is active. James 1, 6-8 says this, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. James don't play, okay? James is not playing. But you have to ask And you have to actively pursue what God is going to say to you next. So I want to invite you in the second section of this uh, listen is to wrestle with your doubts, please. Please have doubts. Because if you don't doubt... You'll never know the fullness of God. If you don't say, God, I don't understand this portion of Scripture. I don't understand you. I doubt that this is true. Can you help me? I guarantee you he will show up every single time and answer your questions. Before I started at the university, I said, okay, God, here's all my questions. And I wrote them down in a journal. I want to know why this in the Bible. I want to know why that. I want to know what this is. I want to know that. This. I mean, I had questions. I cannot tell you how many times and I would be sitting in class listening to a lecture or I would be reading something in a book and my answer would be right there. And I'd be like, holy crap, that's literally question that I asked in my journal. And the answer would be right there. So wrestle your doubts to the ground. Be honest with yourself, know what your doubts are and write them down and ask God and he will show up and he will answer you. Instead of cowering in fear of your doubts, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid I have a doubt about Jesus or a doubt about God. Bro, step into it, lean into it. I'm not afraid, don't be afraid. Your doubts are for an answer. They seek answers to the questions in your mind. Listen, God is not illogical. He did not create us to be unintelligible, unintelligent or illogical beings, right? If he created us with intelligence, then he can handle our doubts. He wants to give you the answer. Just wrestle it to the ground and let him. So his desire is to answer the questions that you have about him. The next thing is to ask expectantly. Expect the wisdom that you are asking for. Expect the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a promise. Jesus promised this in John 14, 26. He said, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. All th- Jesus said that. So many times, guys, you are asking, and, and Jesus promised that he would teach you all things. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He has literally given to you to give you all things and to remind you of everything that Jesus said. Do you know how many times I have somebody come up to me and they're like, I have this issue and I don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, okay. And immediately something Jesus said or did will be downloaded into my spirit. And I'll say, you know what? I have a word for you about that. Jesus said X, Y, Z, P, D, Q. And here's how it applies to you, right? That rhymed, okay? (laughs) Like, I'm telling you, God will have a word. But here's the deal you have to study God's word. That's right. Study God's word, cultivating a single minded focus on Jesus. So, not reading it just, blah, 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 but cultivating, okay, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. What do you want to say to me through this text? What are you trying to speak to me? Seek wisdom in His words. Alone, read it, study, memorize it. Read it, study, memorize. Really. Load your weapon, okay? Your weapon is reading, studying, and memorizing. Come to church. Listen, take notes, review your notes. I'm talking as somebody who is guilty of not reviewing my notes all the time from other pastors, okay? I will listen to sermons, I will take notes, and then I'll forget about it in my journal, and I will not go back. Go back and look. Sometimes the answers that I have found have literally been in the notes of sermons I took from somebody else. And I go back and I'm like, oh, there it is. Okay. Right. Groups, your small group is your source of life and wisdom. So be faithful to your group, be honest with your group and be connected to your group. If you don't have a group, good news, groups are going to start back up in September and we're going to relaunch with more groups. So if you can't find a group, you will soon. Okay. Okay. Here's another weapon that I have had to use on repeat lately because I have been in a trial and I have been in a struggle lately, to be completely honest. Um, When things don't go right in one area of my life, it feels like they all just kind of start to crumble, right? And I'm like, what do I do? This is the weapon I want to give you. Praise and worship. Even when your feelings and emotions are screaming something else, Put on some worship music. We have Spotify playlists. We have Apple Music playlists. We will send them to you. You can listen to all the music we we have up here, plus, okay? Plus some. Worship is powerful because it reminds us in a song of God's word, of God's promises, of God's goodness. When everything around us feels unstable, we can literally sing to ourselves. Katie Torwall is one of my favorite um, worship writers, and she sings uh, this lyric in the song, Praise Before My Breakthrough. She says, I'll praise before my breakthrough till my song becomes my triumph. I will sing because I trust you. I will bring my heart. I will lift my song. Like, I will, even before I have an answer, even before this issue resolves, even when it doesn't feel right, even when... Everything around me is falling apart. I will praise any way. Yesterday morning, I had some free time, finally, um, to myself. My kids were busy, and I shut and locked my bedroom door, and I prayed, but then I started to play worship music. Sometimes I just start singing by myself, and I stood there in my bedroom in my nasty pajamas with my hands raised, and said, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in the middle of all this. I don't understand what's happening. I don't like what's happening, but I'm going to trust you. So don't tell me. I I promise you, I am telling you to do things that I have to do myself, that I am doing myself. Okay, fourth point. Do. You have to do what he says. Don't play yourself this is what James says. James literally says, don't play yourself. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. In other words, he says, don't play yourself. Don't play yourself. Here it is. Gideon received a word from the Lord, okay? In the all the way back in the Old Testament, we have Gideon. Uh, the people were being oppressed by the Philistines. Gideon is is like hiding in his wine trough, trying to save his grain from the Philistines who keep coming and stealing their food. Like people are starving. He's having to hide. Like, while I thresh this grain out, let me right? And God comes to him and he says, Yo, you are now the deliverer of Israel. You're gonna rise up and you're gonna raise up an army and you're gonna go and you're gonna defeat the Philistines. And he's like, say, what? Okay. But listen to what happens in this amazing story. The commands were crazy. Okay, like God told him to do crazy stuff. He said, first of all, you need to get rid of all of these other people. I need about 300 dudes. That's all you need against this big old Philistine army. He was like, okay. Not panicking at all, God, right? So he takes these guys and he says, okay, I need all of you to go surround the hilltop of the Philistine encampment and I just want you to take uh, no weapons. I want you to take a pot and put a fire inside of it and a trumpet. Say what? So they obediently go, stand on the hilltop around the Philistines and what happens next is even crazier. Because God promised, I will give you victory. So on the count of three, I want everybody to break your pot, scream, or blow a trumpet. They're like, okay, bet. This sounds really nuts. One, two, three. Crack. Bah! Right? This is what happens in the Philistine encampment. The enemy is so Confused by what's happening with all the lights and the flash and the noise that they literally turn on each other and start killing each other wiped them out completely they literally rolled into camp and we're like cool we going to plunder now they just start picking up armor picking up weapons they're like cool we going to take this back home right right because obedience, doing what God tells you, results in victories that you cannot imagine otherwise. Amen. He wants to show up. He wants to show off in your life. Jesus said this way, therefore, everyone who hears the these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose, right? Like, sorry, that was a whole flashback. And and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation is on the rock. Not the Rock Johnson, (laughs) talking about Jesus, okay? But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain comes down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. You have to do what he says. You have to do what he says. In order to do, you need to be accountable. To be accountable, James says this, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Ouch. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You are accountable for doing what God tells you to do. You are accountable. So show up and be accountable. If God gives you instructions, share it with your group. Share it with somebody. Say, listen, I feel like God's telling me to do this and I am terrified, angry, slightly excited, whatever your emotion is, admit it, tell your group and then say, I need you to hold me accountable because I need to do what he's telling me to do and I don't like it or I'm scared or whatever. Your emotion is behind it and then help let them keep you accountable. Don't avoid them. Right? Don't avoid them cuz uh, listen, the number one number one thing I can usually tell is when somebody checks out on me in group or somebody checks out on me in discipleship or somebody checks out in life, it's usually because they're in sin and they don't want to encounter truth. They don't want to be accountable. Um, which is really crappy when you're a pastor and you really want friends. <laughs> It's like, oh man, come on guys, really, I'm just a person too, right? So, right, I'm totally a person. So listen, the final thing is be obedient. Do what you read, hear, learn, or understand from the Lord. Be obedient to it. When all else fails, I'm going to give you five scriptures that we are learning as a group that you can stand on. These are the promises of God I want you to remind yourself of. Every time you face a trial. And the first one, you're going to write these down. They're going to be on screen. Assurance of salvation is 1 John 5, through 12. Assurance of salvation, right? The second one is assurance of answered prayer. John 16, 24. He said, before now, you've asked for nothing in my name, but ask and it will be given to you and your joy will be complete I did it, ladies. There you go. Memorization. John sixteen twenty-four. So the next one is assurance of victory. First Corinthians ten thirteen. The next one is assurance of forgiveness is first John one nine. And the last one is assurance of guidance. Proverbs three, five through six. And my daddy taught me this one. As a matter of fact, he put it in the front of my Bible. I want you to look them up. I want you to write them down. I want you to memorize them because he has given you his promises and they are yes and amen in Christ. So this morning, I want to give you three more actionable steps. If you have never said yes to Jesus, if you've not made the decision to become a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to do that this morning. There's going to be a QR code on the screen that you can literally take out your phone and snap a picture of. We don't embarrass people. We don't ask you to raise your hands or whoop or come to the front or anything like that because we believe that this commitment is between you and God. So if you scan the QR code, we are going to follow up with you. It's me sending you a text saying, I'm so happy that you made this decision, and I want to know how I can pray for you. That's all I want to ask you. How can I pray for you, okay? I want to follow up with you. So I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. So would you take a moment with me and just pray. If you're here and you want to say yes to Jesus, we're going to close our eyes and say, God, I... That's me. I have never said yes to you and I want to say yes to you this morning, God. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And God, I ask that you would please please hear me say I want to follow you. That's me this morning. I need a relationship with you and I haven't I haven't followed you before. And I say yes. I say that's me. If you are listening to this podcast, you can literally uh, text that's me to 94,000. If you're here and you need to make a recommitment, you're like, Jesus, I have not been following you the way I'm supposed to. I want to say yes all over again. Um, I want to come back. I'm going to say I'm back. You can text I'm back to 94,000 or you can snap the QR code on the screen. God, we just need you. We want to reconnect with you. We want to know you in the power of the resurrection, but also to know the fellowship of suffering. We want you uh, to be in relationship with us, even in trials. We ask that you would help us right now through the power of your Holy Spirit to feel affirmed in our decisions this morning. And God, help us to follow up. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for this final one, everybody can get out your phones. Because I want to invite you to the James Challenge. So you can snap this QR code on the screen. And together, as one, we can do a Bible study in the U-Version Bible app together. And we will jump into this tomorrow morning. So we'll read in the book of James together. There's an opportunity for you to comment in the Uversion Bible app. And we can read the word together. And get on board with what God is teaching us today. This is a way to be accountable to do what God is asking us to do. So I would love for you to jump in this with me. Um, it's a great uh, a great tool. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, trust me, you can just click this. It'll tell you how to download the app and all of that. Um, it's a really cool app. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hope delmarva.com that's hope d e l m a r v a com thanks for listening